So Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. And our verse for today is verse 15. Which says, Therefore let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if any, so if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. But just to put it into context that, that we kind of get the idea, I'll read from verse 13. Verse 13, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And then today's uh, verse. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Verse 16. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Another translation puts it this way, verse um, 15. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. As you know, we've been speaking much about uh, the previous verses um, speaking about contending to go forward, reaching, forgetting those things that are behind us and aiming for the prize, the prize that we are going to attain when we reach the end of our race. As I said uh, last week, the reality is, the truth is that every single Christian is on a race. We are all in this race. And the race, the point of this race is not that I'll beat you um, as the race of the world uh, tells us, we don't race to um, beat each other, but we race to finish the race. We race, we run to finish this race. Now, so Paul has been speaking about, he's been saying, uh, look, don't, don't, be so, um, uh, don't be so concerned about the past. The past has happened, you can't change it. Actually, think about the future. Think about what is ahead, what is coming. What God, um, through His Holy Spirit, has promised us that we will see. Let's think about those things more than we're thinking about the past. He has been encouraging. He has been almost motivating His listeners, His friends in um, Philippi. Now we get to verse 15 and He kind of almost changes His tone. Or he changes His attitude. He changes in the way that He addresses His friends. He... Um, no, he come, he's come from a place of encouragement. You know, there's something to be attained. There's something to be had. There's something to, to reach out, to go for. Um, almost from a place of motivation. You know, come on guys, there's something. Don't look back. Don't let things hold you back. Don't let, all the, don't let the things of this world um, hold you back. 
So it's come, come from a place of motivation, a place of encouragement. We can do this. We can run. We can get there. We can finish this race. And he gets to this verse and he almost switches his, um, his uh, thinking or his tone or his, um, his way of addressing his friends to a place of free will. So he comes to a place where he says, uh, okay, I've told you all these things. There's things to be attained. There's things we can get to. But now... I'm appealing to you, to your free will. Because remember, God, in His mercy, does not force us to follow Him. He does not force us to um, engage Him and do the things that He's asked us to do. He gives it to us. He gives us the blueprint. He gives us His word. And then He says, there, there, you decide. It's your free will. You decide. So it comes from a place of, hey, we're in a race. Friends, we're in a race. And there's a finish line. There's a finish line in this race. But not only is there a finish line, there's actually a prize when you finish this race. That's motivational speaking. That's encouraging speaking, isn't it? If I come and tell you these things, come on, let's do this, let's get... There's something to be attained. There's lots of stuff to be attained. There's reward at the end of this race. It's motivation. It's encouraging And I know most of us, most humans, need to be encouraged. Um, I, I need to be encouraged. So do you. Some of us uh, may walk as though we don't need encouragement. We are super men and women. Uh, but uh, it's all up front because deep down inside, you need encouragement as much as I need encouragement. So Paul knew this. He knew this. He knew this. And he says, how do we do that? Is that we have to have, um, uh, we need to be a single-minded people. I'm just uh, summarizing a, a talk from last week and the, the week before. We need to be a single-minded people. Single-minded people by choosing to forget those, those things that are behind, those things that have happened, the past. Choosing to forget some stuff. We choose to forget the things that will hold us back because we know there's some things that we, when you hold on to those past failings, past mistakes, whatever, those things hold us back. It's just we need, we need to choose to forget those things, those things which will hold us back on those, in this race, those things which will uh, slow us down in this race, those things that might even trip us up as we run this race. And then he also says we need to be a people who have an attitude of forward thinking, looking ahead, looking ahead. There's a price to be attained. So that's, how, that's where he's come from, verse um, uh, 13 and going backwards. Verse 15, he comes to a place where he starts to appeal to his friends. I've told you all these things. I've encouraged you as much as I can. I've painted a picture because picture language is uh, visual. We understand that. It makes sense to us. We're in a race. Um, let us continue racing. Let's not give up. Let's help each other where we're going. And then he comes to a point where he says, actually, friends, I've told you all these things. Now I'm appealing to you. I'm appealing to you to consider all these things that I have told you about. And as you consider these things, follow me as your example. Follow me as your example. And he calls them. 
He calls them to be mature. Calls them to be mature. And it's quite interesting that um, he, uh, interesting to note that um, his appeal is to the mature. His appeal is to the mature. Therefore, let us as many as are mature, not as those who are not mature, those who are mature, he's appealing to you. If you're mature, uh, he's appealing to you. Now this in, um, implies that there are those who are immature. There are those who are immature. I mean, that's logic, isn't it? And for him to point that out and say, I'm calling you who you consider yourself mature. I'm speaking to you. Not those who are not immature. I'm speaking to you who are mature. Which, yes, it implies in this race, we're in the race. But guess what? In this race, there are those who are immature and there are those who are mature. All together in this race. But he's appealing to those who are mature. Because while those who are mature who understand the word of God, who can... Um, uh, help out, who can um, uh, do the things God has called them to, those are the people that um, oftentimes the enemy tries to trip them up more often than those who are immature. When you're immature, you're just going by. You don't know, and you need those who are mature to actually help you. When the enemy comes and tries to trip them up, we, those who, I say we, us, who are mature, um, need to come alongside those who are immature. Those who are immature. And we need to help each other on this race. So at this point, he's addressing those who are mature. So this morning, I'm addressing us all, because I consider all us mature. And so the question, <laughs> mature, not like mature in wine language, but mature as in, you know, <laughs> mature in wisdom, right? Eh? But this then, at this point, the question I have, or the question that we should be asking is, what is a mature Christian? <laughs> what is a mature Christian? And how does he or she look like? We are all Christians. Well, some of us might consider ourselves more mature than others. Other, others might consider ourselves less mature than others. We look up to people and think, oh man, they're so mature, they're so... But actually, what does the Bible say? What does it say about maturity? How does it look like? What does it look like? What does Paul mean when he's calling to and speaking and appealing to his friends who are mature in this race? My title for today is Following Paul's Example. Following Paul's example. So he starts off in verse 15. Therefore, let us as many as are mature. Now, as I've said before, Paul does not let anything deter or deflect him from his upward call. He knew that was a prize. He knew that he's going to get to that prize. He wants to get to that prize. He wants to finish this race. It doesn't matter what comes in his way. It doesn't matter what life throws at him. It doesn't matter what... Um, the enemy and the elements of whatever people will, will do to him, he has a goal, and the goal is to finish this race, is to get to the end of his race. Um, this was what he, he, 
And that's what he encourages you, the, the, his friends and encourages us this morning. The Holy Spirit encourages us this morning. That there's a price to be won. There's a price to be had. There's a finish line for us to cross. Paul would say, I will not allow anything or anyone to deter me from my goal. My goal is to finish this race. It doesn't matter whether there's uh, storms or whether there is uh, plagues or whether there is whatever comes my I'm going to finish this race. Come what may, I will finish this race. So help me, Jesus. To be deterred is as bad as being is to be deflected. Because to be deterred is to be held back. Is to be held back. But to be deflected is to divert to a different tangent altogether. Isn't it so? That is what the enemy wants and longs for us to do. So there's a you know, we're racing this uh, and then we look around and, ah, oh, man, those guys are living it up. This is, and you, your, 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 your uh, mind is swayed. It's moved. You forget the purpose. You forget the goal. You pr- forget there's a prize. There's a race that you're in. And you end up getting caught up with the things that are happening in the world. That is, um, so you move to a different tangent altogether. Actually, we are not called to, we are called to concentrate. Single-mindedness, as uh, Paul would say to us in previous uh, uh, scripture, in previous verses. Single-mindedness. Let us go and finish this race. Let nothing hold you back. Nothing holds you back. Not your husband, which I'm sure they do. Not your wife, which I'm sure they do. Not your children. Not your work, not nothing. Let nothing deter you. Let nothing hold you back. That is the goal. And the goal is that we have to finish this race. But the good news is that this race, we don't race alone. As I said, it's a different race. It's not one that I'm racing to beat you. We race together. We race together. When you see me um, dragging or battling, you come alongside me and you help me continue racing. When I see the same of you dragging or battling, well, I come alongside you and I help you. And I help you. But it's the enemy's joy and job to try and say, Ah, oh, I'm beating you. Oh, no, no, no. I'm going to beat you. Um, I want to be the winner. There's no winner here. There's no winner here. This race is for us to all finish, cross that line, so we can get to the reward that Jesus Christ has um, ordained and um, prepared for us. Now, when you are deflected, when you turn to a uh, different tangent altogether, um, we start missing the mark. Remember, Paul would say, we need to be single-minded. We have to have a single-minded focus We need to be thinking ahead. We need to be thinking ahead. See, these are the the booby traps uh, that the enemy plants on the the road, on this race. It's a trap from the enemy. He almost wants us to get caught up with all sorts of things that don't count. And for us then to be, uh, to forsake the upward call that Paul speaks about. that, That call to finish this race. It's the enemy's plan. He will distract you and me so that I do not complete this race well. 
Now for you and I who are mature, we are called to finish this race well. I mean, a good example is the, the devil would, would make a, a, um, a mountain out of uh, a, a mole hill. Or, uh, you know when you go in the, in the jungle or whatever, you see the, those, those uh, ants and they've got this big um, mountain that they've kind of created out of, out of ground, sand. That's just, a, I mean, you can just kick that thing off and it will just uh, break. But it's the enemy's job to make it seem as though that thing is massive in your life. It's a little molehill. It's a little anthill. But then because of the enemy and his tactics and his ways, he will make the thing look as though it's gigantic. It's enormous. You cannot overcome it. Needless to, to say that it's actually a little mountain. It's a little thing that you can even jump over. In fact, you don't even have to jump over. Just kick it. You can kick it. Okay, don't, don't destroy the, the, the homes for the ants, but you know what I mean. But it's his job. It's his job to try and distract us. And when he does that, when he does that, it's almost as though we would, uh, what he wants us to do, we're in a race, so okay, he acknowledges, okay, we're in a race, this guy's a sheriff, so, but then he, de- he will deflect us. He will change, uh, he will almost um, call us to change our thinking. And he'll take us from this race, put us on a treadmill. Now, who knows when you're on a treadmill, you, <laughs> you are running, but you're going nowhere. You are running, but you're going nowhere. Right? You know, of course, with exercise, it's good. You need to exercise, but you know that you're not going anywhere. You're on this thing. You're stationary. It's, it's not moving, but you're moving. You're running, and maybe you're going for it. But, man, you're going absolutely nowhere. Maybe half an hour, an hour later, you're still on the same spot. <laughs> You haven't moved from that spot. Yes, you may have clocked in uh, those Ks and all the rest, but you're still on the same spot. That's the enemy's plan, to divert you, to get you onto the treadmill where you're just running for the sake of running, but you're going nowhere. It's Jesus' desire to help us get back on the, on, on the train tracks that he has created for us to walk in or, or ride on. As per uh, Ephesians 2 verse 10, he has gone ahead and prepared good works for you, and I to walk into. It's his de- desire for us to keep running, keep uh, going uh, and, and get into that and not align all those other things. Don't allow those other things. And you know, the treadmill might, might look very nice. It might look zhush. It might look like it's a bling. It's got lights. It's got all sorts. It's got music. It, yeah, it's nice. But it's going to take you nowhere. It's an enemy's plan. So what is maturity in the Christian context? What is maturity? See, a mark of maturity, simply said, is the desire to continue with Christ. Simply said, mark of maturity for you and I, for us as his children, Christians, is to continue with him, regardless of the situations Regardless of what comes our way, the desire to continue with Him, walking with Him, loving Him, doing the things that He's called us to do, despite the difficulties. And we know that life has challenges. We know that. We can all testify to those. But Jesus said in His Word that we are to take heart. Why? Because He, 
has overcome it all. And if He has overcome it all, and He's in us, lives in us through His Spirit, He will help us get to the finish line. So let us not be deflected. Let us not look around and, oh, look at the treadmill and look at the cruise and look at... Let us focus, single-minded focus, on the goal to finish this race. So a mark of maturity is the continued desire to be with Christ. And unfortunately, for most Christians, me included, and many times, we live in almost in the back seat, the back seat of a dynamic relationship with Christ. Can you imagine how our lives would be if we fully uh, submerge ourselves with, uh, into all that God is doing, all that God has promised, all that God has purposed for us? Could you imagine how your life would be? Yet we find ourselves living here almost as though Jesus is there. There's a distance. There's a gap between us and Jesus. Yet he says, I have torn the curtain. You and I have full access to God the Father because of what I did on the cross. Yet we live as though he's there and uh, we're here. The enemy's trap. The enemy's lies. You cannot reach him because he's uh, there. You see, the truth, in summary, is that for us to be considered as mature Christians is that we need to be those who desire to continue walking with Christ. Walking out, racing, running this race that he has set before us without allowing all the things of this earth to deter us or to deflect us or to change our course. Now, verse 15 and 16 in themselves um, submit to us or encourage us to live a life that is pleasing to God. To live a life that is pleasing to God. A life that pleases God is one of maturity. So you deciding to still continue, to still follow Christ, to still um, overcome those things that are kind of trying to trip you up, that is maturity and that pleases God. But also in the same, in the, at the same time, it's realizing that it's not you, it's not me. It's Him in us. It's Him through us. You know, the, He says, when you are weak, you are actually strong. Why? Because Jesus is the one who's doing the work in you and I. He's the one who's encouraging us. Now Paul here asked his friends to walk with him in the objective of Christ-likeness. And his goal, Paul's goal, for his goal was the same goal that he wanted for his friends to have as well. His goal was to finish this race. Finish this. He wanted the same to be for, the, for his friends as well. He wasn't saying, I'm going to finish this race. Uh, good luck, you people, my friends. They, no, I'll, my, my same goal, I'm going to finish this race regardless. I want you to have the same goal. I want you to also finish this race with me.
Are we together? Maturity is a big thing, and it's underrated. But it's simply saying that I want to continue walking this life that God has allowed me to have with Him. Let us think um, of a baby. Okay, of course, we understand maturity in the Christian context uh, because Paul alludes to the fact that they are mature and they're immature. So therefore, they're new believers. We know that those new believers are immature in the things of God. And it's not looking down on them, it's the reality. Those older believers are, should be mature. So let's look at how that looks like. So the first, first order of business after birth is nourishment. Is not. So for a child who's born, the first order of business, they slap their child so they can uh, cry that they are alive. But the first order of business is nourishment. As a newborn babes, as they desire the pure milk of, uh, you know, supplements, so it is true for the Christian, for a newborn believer. They desire the new, uh, the pure milk of the word, that they may grow, grow. Thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious and the Lord is good, you need to continue in that. You know, the baby tastes that milk and all they want is that milk. <laughs> they just want that milk. And we know that that milk helps them to grow. They, it helps them to grow. So if the believer, all they want is to, they've tasted the goodness of God through the word. They've been saved. And all they want is more milk, more milk, more milk. When a person is first born into the family of God, he has life. He or she has life. And that is all, believe it or not. When they are born again, they have life. They were dead in the trespasses. Now they are alive. And that's all that they have is life. He or she knows nothing about how, the, um, how to live the Christian life. It's true. Guys get born again. They don't know how to live this Christian life. All they know is that they've got a new life. Got a new life. They don't know. Um, they don't even know that there's, a, there's, a new, there's almost a new birth. They don't know. They don't know how to do this thing. He or she does not even know Everything there is to know about his or her birth, a new birth. Think about it. New believer does not know the things, the process about justification. You go speak to a new believer. What? You have been just justified. What? Okay. You have been sanctified. Oh, okay. <laughs> you are going to be glorified. Please just give me some milk. <laughs> I just want milk. Don't give me chunks. Don't give me meat. Give me milk. They don't know these things. They don't know the process of reconciliation that has taken place between them and God. And the process of reconciliation that needs to take place between perhaps each other, relation, relationships. All these things they will discover 
to their delight later as they grow spiritually. For the moment, all he knows, all or she knows, is that he was lost without Christ and with confidence in Christ's death on the cross. He owns the right relationship with God. That's all they know. All they know is that they were lost, but now they are found. They were dead, now they are alive. The new birth in itself is the crisis that launches a process. The process is maturity in Christ. Now when a parent brings a a baby home from the hospital, um, they're concerned. What are they concerned about? They're concerned about nourishment. They're concerned about feeding this little bundle of joy. They're not concerned about life. They're concerned about uh, raising this child, feeding this child. They're not concerned about life. The baby received life at conception. That we know. But now they're concerned about nourishment, growth. See, they're not concerned with the life, but with development. And it's true for us as Christians is that we need to be a people who are developing. We need to be a people who are growing up. We need to be people who are maturing, is what Paul is trying to encourage his friends. You imagine it would be a tragedy um, if a baby still had um, a baby's body at the age of five. It, 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 that doesn't seem right, does it? You cannot be a five-year-old with a nine-month-old baby, I mean body. It doesn't seem right. It, it's a tragedy in, in some ways. Why? Because a baby needs nourishment. The baby needs nourishment. The proper formula is necessary if a baby is to receive the right vitamins and minerals to grow. It's true of us. You might not know, but in, um, in Peter, Peter 2 verse 2, Peter challenged new believers to desire the pure milk of the word. Desire the pure milk of the word. What is the word? The word is pure. The word pure means un- um, unadulterated. It's not messed up. It's not tampered with. If a baby Christian is to grow, he or she needs to hear God's voice without distortion. So, my friends, what makes you think, as much as you've grown, that if that's the case, the baby needs to drink milk to grow, and for a Christian needs to drink milk, hear God's voice, to grow, what makes you think that we don't need to hear God's voice so that we can continue to grow? And you see, we've. <laughs> this is a very interesting, um, interesting um, comment or in, interesting observation. We, ha- we as mature Christians in inverted commas, um, we are long on devotionals. 
We are good at devotionals. We are good at all those things, but very short on the Bible. Very short on the Word of God. And the truth is, if we use substitutes in place of the Bible, we will lack spiritual nourishment. Devotionals and commentaries and all those things are good. They help us. They, they shape us. They add to us. But our primary food is the Word of God. A baby must have pure milk. A new Christian cannot uh, um, allow any spiritual replacement to displace the Word of God. Growth groups, as uh, some are known, life groups, fellowship groups, prayer groups, whatever those things, whatever name that Christian books, are no alternatives to the Word of God. The fundamental nourishment for growth is God's voice. So I'm here this morning to remind us that we are, yes, mature, but we need to do a, a, um, a test and check. What are we? Where, where are we? Where are we? Are we, um, are we drinking milk? There's another place in the Bible where Paul would speak. I think it's in Corinthians. He says, I wish you would be ones who teach, but I cannot speak to you as teachers or those who are mature because you have not yet matured. You have not yet developed. I'm paraphrasing. So the question in conclusion, in closing, is this. Are you drinking milk still? You know, sometimes milk does taste nice. Are you drinking or are you eating solid meat? The Word of God. Are you substituting the Word of God with devotion stuff? with commentaries, with things that, um, that are addition to the Word of God, that uh, help us to open up the Word of God primarily? Or is word, the Word of God your primary source of nourishment? And then added to, these, to that is the other stuff, commentaries, fellowship groups, prayer groups, um, um, commentaries, whatever. whatever the, all those other things are added to the main thing. The main thing is the Word of God. Is Jesus sweeter today than the day before? Is Jesus sweeter today than yesterday? So, I know that we mature. I know that we read the Word of God. I know that we try our best in this earth world that has caused us to be so... It's, it's busy. Life is busy. Be careful. The busyness is uh, partly a, um, a part of the enemy's plan to deter us, to deflect us, to move us away from that goal, that prize, that race. So let's not get busy with busyness for the sake of being busy. So I invite you as my friends this morning to join me. The holiday is coming up. 
I'm not going to add to your busy life. But the holiday is, is coming up. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to, there are um, 27 um, chapters in the New Testament. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read all 27 chapters. Not a tick box uh, moment. But I'm going to read them. I'm going to try to read them. And as I read them, because I want to eat the word of God. I want to eat. I want to be nourished. But as I read, I want, I'm going to pray and say, God, as I read your word, reveal to me that which you want to reveal to me. Speak to me. Show me things that are hidden in your word. Show me. So I'm going to do that. I'm inviting you to join me in this, in this, uh, during this uh, holiday. Well, we just take the word of God and just read. And you might find that you'll probably just sometimes, you'll start just reading, reading and nothing is happening, but you just read. But before you read, ask God to just help you, to just open up, open up our eyes. Now, I, I, I decided to rather go for the New Testament because it's an easier read than the Old Testament. And it is holiday time, but um, I would encourage you, if you, if you um, are comfortable to join me, join me as I do that, and ask God to reveal to you the things that are hidden in his word. Because I tell you what, there are plenty of things hidden in his word. And he wants to reveal those things to us. But, and we, but we need to be engaging with him. We need to be eating from his word. So Father, thank you for your most holy word, which is nourishment to our Christian lives. It is nourishment to our lives, our spiritual life, Father. So Lord, as uh, I embark, as we embark on this um, journey, Lord, to read the New Testament over the December holiday, God, I ask that you'd help us, that you'd speak to us, that you'd reveal the things that are hidden in plain sight, as it were, in your word, Lord. Show us things we haven't seen before. For your word does say that no eye has seen, no ear has heard. The things God has prepared for us that love Him. We want to eat solid meat, Father. We don't want to be babes no longer. We want to finish this race in the way that you've helped us to finish it. Help us, Jesus, I pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. So join me if you're happy to. Um, I'm going to start, start even uh, today just reading. Just read the New Testament. Just start open, your, open the Word of God. And then also while you do that, can I encourage us to, if God highlights something, a scripture pops up or something, pause and meditate. Meditate. And as you meditate and pray, God will open up more. He'll, he'll, he'll reveal stuff that is is hidden um, through his word. God bless you. Amen.